Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our crucified, risen, living, and ascended Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we just admit that this is really different? Not just the weather. You know, we're here and people are separated and it's because of COVID-19, I get all that. You are installing a new administrative lead pastor and this is not what I expected. I mean, it is, but not, not the way it should be. But can we also say that Jesus is here? And that is why we are here. And Lisa and Brad, we are celebrating Jesus and the Father's love and the work of the Holy Spirit in you being led here to be the next lead pastor at St. Lawrence Frankenmuth. I'm so thankful for the opportunity. Lisa, you know I've had a little bit of a relationship with you. I think you're an outstanding woman. And God bless you in what lies ahead. And Riley and Aiden and Ethan and Addison and Nora, I tell you what, I think you're in for a ride. And uh, God has been good and he's going to continue to be now. This church, as we all know, has been very influential in the Michigan District and in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. You have shared, you have called and then you have shared great leaders, especially with the district. I think of Dieterding, it's a name you should remember. How about Hoseman? Brant can't be forgotten yet. And now you, dear brother, Hubbard. And I thank God already for the gifts that you have and are sharing. Folks, I want you to know that Brad was long ago selected to be the chairman for our district convention uh, because of his godly nature and integrity. I want you to listen, brother, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter of the law, but by the letter of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But may I also say, dear brother, that you are off to a bad start. I mean, really. The opening day of gun season for deer is when you choose to be installed. <laughs> Epic fail. Epic. It can only go up from here, though, and for that we thank God. I don't know if you noticed, but in the Old Testament lesson, of course, you already had an introduction. I love that that's in your bulletin. God is faithful. Please listen. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. There's no other one. The faithful God. That's a characteristic. He's faithful. He can't go against himself. What he says he'll do, he'll do. This is an incredible God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God is faithful. And then you looked at the epistle lesson. You can look at your bulletin. It's okay. And it says that God calls his people to be faithful, especially his under-shepherds. Moreover, it is required of stewards, stewards of the mysteries of God, to be found faithful. And then this gospel lesson you picked, Brad, for the opportunity of your installation sermon. And here we find that God's faithful people pass.
pastor and people, body of Christ, church, congregation, individuals, and as a whole, are called to be salt and light. Friends, by the grace of God, you are the only means that God has chosen to carry out his promises of seeking the lost and seeing them saved through what Jesus Christ has done. There is no plan B. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Our status as salt and light in this dark world continues to mean that we live in a very complex relationship, being children of God and yet being in the world where God has planted us. Because he chose the very times in which we would live, he did, and the very places as well. Frankenmuth, Michigan. And now with salt and light, we are called to be distinct from culture. And yet in a paradox, as salt and light, we are called to permeate, to engage our culture, both with the people that are around us and for the sake of the people that are around us at God's request. This is the task of ministry, brother. This is. And that you will equip the people that you know and love in this congregation as you have in the past, your family to be sure, this new family, and for your brothers in the faith as well. This is the task of ministry. It's different. It's difficult. But we are meant to be connected to this culture and distinct, permeating, but always loving the Lord. So let me just share those two thoughts. That we are distinct, and yet we are to be in. We are to permeate. Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount, and by the way, that's where you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world comes from. Comes from the Sermon in Matthew, everybody knows it, the Sermon on the Mount. He begins with the Beatitudes, which is a description of the blessings of the kingdom that redefine what it means to be in relationship with Jesus and to his people. It is not the religious hotshots. It is rather the spiritually bankrupt that are blessed for the kingdom of God is theirs as a gift. It's grace. It is not the spiritually self-satisfied, but the ones who are starving for righteousness that are blessed. And they will be filled up. It's not the naysayers who continually point out what's wrong with culture today. But rather it's the peacemakers, not keepers, peacemakers that are blessed. For they will be known as the children of God. And then immediately following this countercultural description of discipleship, Jesus claims that his followers and only his followers are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The call to be salt and light is part and parcel it is the very core of the identity of Christ's disciples and followers. Light repels darkness, and salt prevents rot. Jesus continues his message and says, if salt quits being salt, what good is it? If a lamp is concealed by a basket, what good is it? In fact, it might even be put out. In his high priestly prayer in the upper room, this is Jesus. 
It's called the high priestly prayer in John 17. It's on the night in which he is going to be portrayed. He's with his disciples. They're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And Jesus prays for his disciples that they would remain distinct and therefore continue to be his disciples and to demonstrate it. Here's the prayer, part of it. Father, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Great start. But friends, to be a follower of Jesus is to be like Jesus also in this way. You are not of the world. You are different. You are unusual. You are distinct. To stop being distinct is to stop being a disciple of Jesus. You remain, we remain distinct from the culture around us, both in our private life and in our public life and witness. To stop being distinct again is to stop being a disciple of Jesus. Let's just make it black and white. You remain distinct from the culture around you, and you do it because you do not use the same language. You don't visit the same websites. You don't treat others with the same disdain. In fact, Jesus calls us to be such good husbands and wives, such extraordinary workers, such incredible citizens and board members of local school boards that your unbelieving friends take notice. The call to be distinct means that there may be times that we as a church and individually as God's children will graciously have to refuse to follow the influence of our culture or even the directions of our own government. We will not support abortion. We cannot condone homosexual behavior. We will not now nor will we ever be able to say in good conscience that all religions are fundamentally the same and that the message of Jesus Christ crucified and risen for the world can stand as just one among many. Friends, if the followers of Jesus are no longer salt, first description Jesus gives us, if we are not here to preserve the world, to add some flavor even, if you will. If the followers of Jesus are no longer light, who is left to chase away the dark or to lead the way home? Brad, this really is part and parcel not only of being a disciple, but being a Christ follower and a proclaimer and a teacher. But I want to say to you, brother, and to all of you. If you ever find that you're not, if you're not being distinct, if you're not following Jesus, if you're not in the word being molded by the Holy Spirit, if you find that your congregation isn't, Jesus invites all of us back to the beginning of the Beatitudes to start again. When we recognize our failure as sin, either corporately or individually, God calls us back. Let's confess it 
Because blessed are the spiritually bankrupt, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the ones who are starving and thirsting after the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. For they will be filled up. Blessed are you when you see your failure as a disciple and run back to the one who calls you to repent and follow and go and be and make disciples. Because for the sake of Jesus, we are forgiven. For the sake of Jesus, we are restored. For the sake of Jesus, we continue to be salt and light in a dark and dying world. And for the sake of Jesus, you are empowered. Please listen. I said this was a paradox. We are also called to permeate the culture around us. Again, the call to be salt and light is at the very core of our identity as Christ followers. He makes it very plain. And to be salt and light means to engage, to pervade, to permeate the culture around us. Salt left in a shaker or in a bag is no good at all. Salt can only do its job correctly when it comes into direct contact, actually touches the meat, if that's what it is, or the vegetable, or maybe whatever. Jesus makes it clear that a lamp can't function properly under a basket. In fact, it'll go out. It's only in direct contact with darkness that light can do its job, clearly. Did you know that as Jesus talked here about a, a city on a hill, a major city on a hill, it was almost always intentionally placed at a crossroads? Why? It was there that all kinds of different people would gather together, trade. They would exchange goods, ideas, debate, argue, rub shoulders, maybe even hug without masks. And in his high priestly prayer, again, his high priestly prayer, Jesus recognizes that his disciples are not of this world, and yet he prays that they would remain in the world and be his disciples. Here's his prayer. Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but rather as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. To be a follower of Jesus is to be like him. You engage the culture around it. You penetrate it. You connect. You build relationships. You pray for them. You create inroads. To create and permeate the culture around you in your private life as well as in your public life is what God is looking for. At work and at home, Jesus calls you to take a genuine interest, people, in the lives of the people that are around you, all of them that you know, all of them. Jesus calls you to get to know and even like people. Please let me repeat that. Jesus calls you to get to know 
and even like people and pray for them whose political or moral values are different than yours. We don't compromise our position where God's word is clear. At the same time, we will not, we cannot let political or even moral issues be a barrier to genuine relationships with people who don't know Jesus. If you don't know them and love them, why would they ever care what you have to say about what God thinks about them? That he loves them. That he came for them. That he died for them. That he genuinely has an interest in them. God intends you to know and enjoy and break bread with people and socialize with and exchange birthday gifts with people who support abortion rights. People who do not vote like you in the election. People who are a part of and condone same-sex marriage. People who think all religions are human fantasy. But if we don't love them as Jesus has loved us, how will they ever care what you know? Before you can tell them what a friend they have in Jesus, they have to know what a friend they have in you. To follow Jesus by definition is to live like him and to permeate the culture around us. God forbid that we ever be cut off from the pagan world around us or fortressed up. That's never what was intended. But people of God, all of you, including you, Brad, maybe especially, if and when we look at ourselves and we find that we have kind of shrunken back, that we have hidden, that we don't want to engage or permeate, Jesus again invites us to go back to the beginning of the Beatitudes. That there we can confess our failure as sin, as an individual, to build relationships, to know so that we can converse, to love honestly and sincerely. And he calls us back to the basics. Blessed are the spiritually bankrupt, for theirs is the kingdom of God as a gift. And it is for everyone. Blessed are the ones who are starving for a different kind of righteousness, the righteousness of God's Son, Jesus. To be right, to be healed, to be no longer conscience-ridden. And blessed are you when you see your failure as a disciple and you run back to the one who calls you to repent and follow and be and go and make disciples. For the sake of Jesus, you are, we are forgiven. For the sake of Jesus, we are restored. For the sake of Jesus, we are once again salt and light in a dark and dying world. And this, brother, is the call for your ministry. Dear friends, Brad and Lisa and family, 
God calls us to remain distinct, but to permeate for a purpose. We are to be distinct from the surrounding culture and to permeate the surrounding culture at the same time for the purpose of incarnating, taking on the truth and grace of Jesus and sharing it in the world. As we hold on to both sides of the paradox and the strength and wisdom that only God can supply, we strive to be both distinct and yet engaging. Friends, we want always to remember that this call for the discipleship has a purpose. To preserve and to give light. To be the city that is built on a hill. To draw in all kinds of travelers. Offering them shelter. Giving them warmth. Providing for their needs. And giving them a place to lay down their burdens. And find rest at the foot of the cross. Brothers and sisters in Christ and dear Brad. And all of you members some that are here, many that are online, I pray. By God's grace, you are his means for bringing the kingdom of God to a dying world. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. There is no plan B. But the one who has made you salt and light promises Brad, promises God's children. I will be with you to the very end of the age. In Jesus' name, be faithful as he has been to you. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all that your minds can do. Guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.